0: This podcast is brought to you by WeTransfer, the world's largest file transfer service. Since 2009, WeTransfer's free platform has been enabling creative thinkers around the world. Visit wetransfer.com today and see for yourself.
1: hello this is Charles Peterson welcome along to the psychology of DJing a program that I wanted to create to get into the head of DJs how do they deal with it how do they deal with the pressure I've been doing it for over 30 years And uh, I still sometimes find it extremely hard to get up in front of a few people and uh, entertain them. So I want to understand why other people become DJs and how they develop really, how they balance the lifestyle, how they keep healthy, if at all, and how they manage the pressure. So with Retransfer, I'm speaking to some of my favorite DJs to explore these themes. In this interview, I spoke to a woman who is incredible, actually. I first met her last year on a festival in Japan. And... um, It was an outdoor festival in May and I remember not having my best set actually and she was actually on a couple of DJs after me and as I went off the stage she came up to me and she gave me so much encouragement and love and appreciation and saying how much she loved my set, she kind of made me feel better than than maybe i did at the time she kind of got it in a way and uh she 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 was there on her own and she would have you know she got the party fully going later on um and um yes yeah, so i really wanted to get her in and find out how she's been getting her career on track it's a fascinating story um it's the black madonna and she started off with just making mixtapes she was one of the leading mixtape providers in the Midwest and a huge fan of the dance music culture um, of the sort of 90s and the early 2000s. Dance music really making sort of impact and raves. And uh, she went on to move to Chicago and became head booker at the legendary Smart Club, where she reinvented herself as the Black Madonna. And has since then launched a global career as a DJ and a producer. So this special edition, my special guest is the Black Madonna. And we started off talking about how she changed up her career.
0: Um, You know, I, it was when I started to work alone. And then I I, I had another name from when I, I DJed alone. But I had just out, out, outgrown it. And I went through a period where before I started at Smart Bar where I had failed really miserably as a DJ. I mean, and as a producer, many things had gone wrong, a whole series of things. And virtually everything that I had done that felt like it was going somewhere had just sort of stopped. And it was like, and I didn't even work at a record label for a while. I worked at this place where I was writing copy for a website about women's underwear. (laughs) It was like everything had failed so spectacularly. And, uh, um, why do you
1: think that happened?
0: Because it was meant to. Um, I believe that, that, that things, and I, I understand that, that not everyone feels this way, but for me, at least my life has felt very ordered. <laughs> Even the bad stuff. <laughs> and, And it felt like a hardship at the time and it felt like a failure. But what it was, was, was a much needed period of introspection. And, um, I think before, because there were just enough gigs that I felt like I needed to meet a need to keep getting them. That when they stopped completely, and I mean completely. I don't think I got paid to DJ for like a year or a year and a half. Um, Then there were no rules. And all of these things that I had been buying, quietly tucking away, that didn't make sense when I would go play some big stupid rave out in the woods where they wanted a bunch of what would later become EDM. I mean, that happened very – it was like – Brave music was good in America for a great while, and then all of a sudden it was terrible. It became the worst thing. You know, all of this really, really crappy... And I love dubstep, but this was not the good dub... Uh, this was not good. This was very bad bro step, going into EDM, going into this sort of mainstream, permanently orgasmic series of drops, which was completely uninteresting to me. And I even like, listen to, I, 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 I try to follow everything and, and there were things and I, I'm not like a real highbrow, lowbrow person. I, I mean, I have no sense of what is Right or wrong or good or bad or, or tasteful. I don't have, I don't have any sense of that, but there was a point where I, there was one party that I went to that I I had been brought out under the name that I used to play under. And it was at the place that they have that festival called the gathering of the juggalos which was this phenomenal location because all of the picnic tables had this really elaborate juggalo art carved into it. You know, all of these insane clown posse clowns and various juggalo truisms. And the show was so bad. There was not one thing that I had that they wanted. You know, I would play the most over the, like the hardest thing I could You know, trying to even like I said, I, I play dubs. I'm I'm trying everything I can try. Nothing is even registering. They want something that I can't even, I I I cannot and will not stoop to. And I got done, and I got him my my friend Chelsea's car, and I said, that's it. I'm changing my name. I'm never doing this again. I'll never be booked at this kind of show again. I don't care what happens. D- drive me home right now. We drove home hours and hours and hours. And I went home and I changed my I, – I, I deleted my Twitter and everything, like everything, every trace of this thing that had existed before I got rid of. And I just said, I don't, ca- I, I, I don't care.
1: Amazing. <laughs> and have you – I'm sure you haven't, but have you come close in your new – Your new name, your new self, have you come close to feeling like you did that night? Never. Not even a little bit?
0: I'm telling you, I I have been thrown off the decks in Sri Lanka because I didn't play no diggity. And it doesn't even get close to the way that I felt. Because at least then I had a choice. You know what I mean? I had a choice. Like... If I didn't play the show, or if I didn't finish, or if this guy wanted to put his dude on instead of me and play, and play no diggity, that's fine. I wake up the next morning and I play a show that I love. I have choices now. Then I did not have choices, and now I am in total control, and 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 that is a luxury that I don't think you can really appreciate it. Unless you've ever been in the situation where you weren't for a really long time, or where you felt like you were making compromises that you didn't want to make, you know, I, it, it's not to say that every show I, I feel like I can dig into the bottom of the crate and pull out the most obscure thing, and that everyone will love it and say that I'm lovely, <laughs> because we all know that's not true. I play big festivals, and 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 it's my job to negotiate with them, and it's always our job to negotiate there's there's always an exchange happening and a kind of diplomacy and, and and maybe even a little bit of an education like if you like this then maybe you'll like this and you kind of have to like open a doorway and then show someone the next thing that's related to it instead of hopping directly where you'd like to go
1: now you're playing out you bring in you you bring it you so you've switched to vinyl at this point yes at this point now, you've made your first record, your your first tracks.
0: Yeah, they, they all came. I made them all at the same time. And then they came out over a period of time. But yeah, there was a, a, a period where I made a lot of stuff really quickly. It was also during the time when I was kind of alone in my room.
1: And how did you start thinking, this is going my way? This is like, I'm beginning to really enjoy this. These are the, what was the catalyst?
0: Well, it was very, I can tell you exactly the moment things changed, which was that on the same day that I got – I started off as the assistant at Smart Bar, and then I went to become the, the actual talent buyer. Um, I had waited for this job. I wanted this job very badly. And the day that I moved into my new desk, um, I used to come in before everybody else did because I liked it when it was quiet and you know, I'm a morning person. And I came in, and I was sitting there, and I had gotten – Uh, There was a a lady in Berlin who had asked me if she could help me with bookings. And I said, sure, but nothing had come of it. I mean, it had been quite a few months. You have to remember, I've already been let down 4,000 times. I'm not expecting anything ever to... I've already at this point achieved everything that I think is even remotely possible. This is like the day has come. I am finally the boss at Smart Bar or the the underboss. Joe is always the boss. The day has come. All of my wildest dreams have come true. The phone rings or the Skype rings from Germany and she says, do you have a second? And nobody's in the office yet. And I pick up the Skype and she goes, so great news. I got your first shows for you and um, uh, I got the first anchor show and we're going to build some, some dates around this for you to finally come to here. But I think, oh, this is great. Wow. And I'm thinking it's going to be the tour of you know the, the bar around the corner. So, have you heard of Panorama Bar? <laughs> and I said, "What?" And she said, "Panorama Bar, <laughs> Berakine." And I said, "Yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> you know, I obviously know what this is." And they were the first people to offer me a show.
1: And how come they offered you a show? Had they heard you? Had they? Heard- yeah,
0: and, and well, I I wouldn't want to speak to why, but I know I I knew that one record that I made was getting played by both andy and nick the residents were playing one of the records and it was quite popular people friends would be visiting over there and would be like i was in the club and i heard this record that you made and i think that was it but i think also it's a testament to lisa my agent is somebody that um boy if she'd been a dj she would have been lethal you know, she's just kind of got her eye on the ball, and and has really called a lot of things way out in advance. And um, she plucked me out of obscurity, and is still my agent to this day. And I will, you know, I would follow her into hell. I mean, she is she is one of the greatest people, but also I think is trusted by so many venues because her taste is exceptional. It's far better than mine. And, you know, there are just a million people that she has had wonderful working relationships with. And, uh, her, I would describe her as a, as a visionary, not because of me, but because of the other people that she, she has, um, identified and, um, just a, a brilliant woman
1: so you've put out some records they're being played by djs around yep. the world including the guys the residents at burghine um you've just started off um as the head of talent at um, the smart bar and now you're being invited to go and dj um internationally go to germany and, and do your tour so it's all come within moments of so if it's suddenly how can you be it went from ta-
0: nothing to like I, I sat as the assistant. I was the assistant for two years, and I was a resident. But this is the assistant job. I'm telling you, I was picking gum out of the DJ booth. It's not a. It's not a glamorous job. It's a job that normally would be done by like a 21 year old. At this point, I'm like 35. But I'm like, I'll do whatever. I'll pick gum. I had and I actually had to have two other jobs to because I it was not enough money to live. Um, but I was waiting because I knew that the the job was going to open up. My my boss had told me he was going to leave. And that when he did, he was going to, he was going to recommend that I, I, I take his, his seat. Thanks, Nate. And, uh, then all of it happened I mean, it was so fast. And then after the first tour, immediately was invited back.
1: Okay. Talk to me about the first tour. You're in the hotel room. You're about to play at Panorama bar.
0: I was terrified. I it was sick to my stomach. I, I I mean, but I had never really toured. I I had no idea just even how things worked, like how to check into a flight. Um, I I, just, I didn't know any of those. I did just didn't n- not an international flight. Like I'd, I I had I didn't have a passport before. I had to get a passport to go. Uh, I, I didn't know would people speak English. Well, like, I I, mean, I was really, really not to to seem like I was totally off the turnip truck, but I was pretty much off the turnip truck. And, um, but everybody was so nice. I can't say enough good things about how I was treated. And, and it was one of those things where the very, the, I was, I was really afraid. I mean, my hands were shaking and I, I got, I mean, I was playing fine, but I was really, really afraid. And i am kind of finally catching my groove and then I feel, you know, you can feel somebody like sitting next to you. Like even when you're looking directly ahead, I'm trying to stay focused. I'm like, okay, there's somebody in the booth with me. Who is it? And I look over and Kerry Chandler is sitting next to me. <laughs> he's walked into the booth and pulled up a thing to lean on or whatever. And I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> and he's like, hey. I was like, Hi, Maria. Nice to meet you, And he goes like, "Oh hey, Maria. I just wanted to come in here and say thanks and I was like, "I don't even know what to say to that. I was just so completely overwhelmed and but everything made sense at that moment, and that all of the expectations, all of the feelings that I had when I was alone in my room, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do next." And I mean, I really was, I was, I was very, I was very ambitious. I was very strategic. I was very, um, I was very calculating. All of the things that came to pass were things that I really wanted and thought of in a conscious way. And I know we're not supposed to be calculating, but I am, I'm very goal oriented. I see things in the way that I think other people must see, like Wimbledon, or you know, I I see those kind of goalposts, and and I I point at them until I cross them, whether it's a creative goalpost or a specific like achievement or whatever. I've always been like that.
1: Putting the parallel with the the priest and the DJ and all that stuff. I mean, do you feel there's a sort of, I mean, I've done parties and I'm standing there in my altar and I'm playing my tunes (laughs) and they're listening to me and I'm, you know, practically on the mic. And and there's (laughs) a certain incredible communication going on there. What do you see the relationship is if there is anything there? Sure.
0: Well, I mean, I wanted to be a nun when I was little because they wouldn't have let me be a priest. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's the substitution. It's the, I mean, for me, it's, it's the, the methadone to the, to the real thing. Um, all that stuff is all mixed up. And I, I, I think particularly in house, house music, you really find that deep genetic connection with gospel, but not just that i think in particular the concept of the holy spirit if there's one thing out of the church in general that i think you could pluck out and drop into uh, into dance music and say this concept functions nearly the same um the idea of the of the of the holy spirit or the holy ghost that's a thing that you see on dance floors and that when, and that we as DJs experience, if we're doing, if, if we're really lucky, <laughs> if we're really lucky, the Holy Spirit shows up and this thing happens and you step out of yourself and it's not you and whatever is happening to you is then also being transferred to other people. And that is a thing that I remember seeing because I am Catholic, but my dad's side of the family, his mom was Pentecostal, uh, Sort of, she dabbled in, in in being Pentecostal, but we would go to these little box churches in the Eastern Kentucky, and people would do all the speaking in tongues and all of that stuff. And if there, every once in a while on a dance floor, I think this is just like that, you know, where pe- somebody's just screeching in a corner, and you know, you see that, you see that in these moments where something happens, the room snaps. And it is almost a supernatural experience. And that—that that is always where I'm trying to get. And it doesn't happen all that much. I mean, it happens, but the number of factors that go into allowing that thing, that supernatural disturbance, to happen there's so many factors you know do people feel safe here how long do we have are the cops going to come are, are people watching are we in a non-traditional venue there's a lot of things that go into that um, but when enough barriers go away and something happens and it when it does you know that one out of five or one out of ten times it is just extraordinary and and it's very closely related to those experiences for me of whatever kind of you know religious rapture you know you think of there's this you know I'm from Louisville and in Kentucky and Thomas Merton is this great um Catholic thinker and and monk and author and there's a, a you know they have those placards for historical things that have happened there's one right downtown that marks the location of thomas merton realizing that he loves everyone <laughs> and it's for me it's the it's the best historic location marker it's like and it gives the quote it's like i was standing here and i looked around and i realized and he, and i thought what a great moment in history to mark down you know this guy on acid realizes that everybody is love <laughs> You know, the sober dude sober dude has realization that 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 this thing exists and and i think you know we're all kind of trying to reach that moment that that sort of historic love moment and it doesn't always happen but sometimes it does and when it does it's like this is the best and everything makes sense until you go to sleep and wake up and maybe you get one more day a little bit of the afterglow but um that's what you're shooting for
1: um okay let's talk about when you are struggling even today with the night and you're not really how do you deal with it how do you deal with um not being in the mood um and you've got to go yeah, you've got three hours that's the big one and they're paying you a lot of money
0: <laughs> yeah that's 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 very real people would love to think that uh, that every show you feel absolutely delighted and that's just not the case because i want to sit on my couch and watch Downton Abbey happy like everybody else um and um I uh, I talk to myself. I have um, I have, I have there are several things that I do. Sometimes when I'll get in the booth and I'll realize that the crowd is a reflection of my attitude, I'll I will quietly say to myself, you know, change your attitude or change your energy. You need an energy adjustment. And then sometimes I will physically, Like, you know, they say how sometimes smiling will make your mood change. You know, like if it doesn't, if you don't feel it, you can sort of fake it till you do. And then a lot of times I'll find that it will change for me from the outside in rather than from the inside out. Um, I'll move around. Like sometimes I'll sort of wiggle um, to um, to kind of get out of my funk or whatever it is. Um, or I'll make, I'll, I'll make little games with myself, like where like, okay, you can't play for five records. You can't play anything you've ever heard before. Cause of course I've just got loads of stuff and I, 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 you don't get to hear all of it before you sit down and I'll say, all right, new rules, five records. And, and you have no idea what these things are and you just make them work and it becomes like a little game with myself.
1: Um, what if that doesn't work? What if those records were the wrong choices and people start kind of really getting. Then bit? I'll
0: start laughing. I, I, I will have become the butt of my own joke and we'll start to have more fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you lose the fight and the show just stinks. Maybe it's the crowd, maybe it's you, maybe it's both. But I'm pretty deft at changing my mood. Um, I would say that aside from the choices that i make and 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 the things that i play the number one thing that i am in charge of and that i'm good at and that i'm i i would say serves me as a dj is the ability to change my own mood and the mood of people around me
1: do you feel the pressure of being somebody whose value is this and people expecting that and
0: sometimes well, for a second, I did yes, and now less. Um, but it's because I've been careful to, in, or I'm trying to be careful to insulate against it, and to the the, the people that I'm lucky enough to have around me. Um, I think acknowledge this thing that I'm going through, but at the same time, are not particularly swayed or impressed by it and making sure that, I mean, I see these people that keep people around them that, you know, light their cigarettes for them. And, and, you know, there's this kind of bubble that you erect in your own honor. (laughs) And uh, that is concerning to me. I, and I am not interested in that at all. Um, uh, the main thing that I feel is not pressure from the outside, but pressure from the inside. Like I know how people are, and uh, people love to go. The f- I I really like the first album. The first album was better. Doesn't matter how good the second album was. Um, I know how people are, and I I don't really care about that that much. In the very beginning, there was a really nightmarish period where you, I heard a lot of opinions all at once after hearing no opinions. And it's like that Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode where she can suddenly hear what everyone thinks. And it's like the worst curse, you know? It's a terrible thing to hear the opinions of a bunch of random assholes, you know? Like, who cares? And And – and there's a period where you don't know if it, if it reflects on reality. Is it going to hurt the show? Somebody on the internet said this terrible thing in the comments section of this thing or whatever, or somebody wrote me a nasty letter or somebody wrote a shitty review of whatever. You know, you have no idea what the effect in the real world is for that. And the truth is nothing. It doesn't have the comments section means nothing. So the pressure that I feel at this point and, and what a relief it is to know that, because I think there are people that go a lot longer than I did with some misconception about what that world is. The real pressure is for myself. Like I'm making a record right now and I'm working with all these people I've always wanted to. And the amount of work that's gone into it and, and, the way I want to execute it and and the value that I'm holding myself to, that is what matters because there are a lot of great records that nobody cared about when they came out and it does not, it does not lessen them. I mean, if this were a fair world, then Arthur Russell would have been King Shit of Turd Mountain while he was alive, but he wasn't. That does not lessen, what those records mean and what they will continue to mean. And if there's any goal to shoot for, it's that it's, it's not, I mean, do I, other than wanting, I want to be able to continue to work. I want to be able to continue to, to make my own decisions. I want to be able to continue to em- employ and help other people that I believe in. I want to be able to continue to, 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 to speak my mind and not, not have to hold my tongue to make sure that I, I get paid, (laughs) you know, as long as those things continue to happen. And I think, and I think that they will, because, because the people that, that have come this far in the journey, they're in, they're in and they're, 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 they're not, they're not looking for the next big thing. If they were, they wouldn't have chosen a forty-year-old from Kentucky. <laughs> you know, it would they? Would have they? They would have chosen somebody a lot slicker. So, um, the, if there's any pressure, it's all mine.
1: Many thanks to Maria, A.K.A. the Black Madonna. Very inspiring conversation. Really incredible. Very honest, and uh, that's what it's about. That's why I'm doing these psychology of DJ chats. You can download the whole series over on WeTransfer.
0: This podcast is presented by WeTransfer Studios, Giles Peterson and Worldwide FM. Visit wetransfer.com slash thisworks to see more of our creative collaborations.